When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. Also powered by Pod Machine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. So accepting the fact that life isn't fair, so play with the hands you dealt with, and knowing that you have to keep working on improving every single day, right? Continuous improvement. But knowing there's no, there's no ceiling to that, then you're like, that's great. You know, you're just liberated from that pressure. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beityong. Welcome to this episode of the Share Podcast. We have one of the most amazing guests that you guys should hear about. Because again, it is our final episode for this year as our season 
finale, we had to make sure we are going to do it to the most used and most hype word in the startup land this year, which is the metaverse. So we got to go full metaverse on this episode. But again, we don't just invite some random founder into this episode. We have one of the best that you can always hear from and hear about. And again, without further ado, I need to welcome the co-CEO of Bit to Me, Mr. Ko Onozawa. Oh, welcome to the show. What an awesome, what an awesome intro. Thank awesome you so much. You. And again, Ko is literally calling us from which city just to represent? Because again, we're not in the same time zone. Today we're in Alicante, Spain. It's Alicante. Right, All right. Yeah, right in a, a province of Valencia here on the Mediterranean coast of Spain. Oof, that is amazing. And again, that, that's one of the first questions I wanted to ask why, why you're there. But before we get carried away, I need to ask you the most important question. And the last one I'll ask for 2022, the million dollar question. Cole, what's your hustle? Wow, my hustle. What a general question, big question. My hustle as co-CEO of Bitsumi, we're the largest crypto firm here in Spain. We've Ooh. been around since 2015. Wow. And our main, my main hustle is just trying to bring two things crypto adoption and crypto education gotcha. so we boast of having the largest crypto academy wow. or web3 academy in the spanish-speaking world we had over 5 million alumni last year mm-hmm. and on our adoption um business which is our brokerage wallet our crypto exchange our mb uh, online mba and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we have a launch pad for other tokens. We're just above 600,000 users wow. here in the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, mm-hmm. Portugal, Andorra, and, and and soon, very soon in Latin America. We're, we're around around 100 different countries, but I'd say in 85% or more are in the Iberian Peninsula. And increasingly, we're going to expand into Latin America slowly but surely. There you go. Or if you want to go by, via Gibraltar. And then across the, <laughs> the narrow sea, all the way to Morocco. That's also one thing. But again, amazing, amazing story. But I need you to buckle up. Because again, guys, though he is, you know, technically dominating the Hispanic world through <laughs> through through crypto, he is our buy. Okay. He's a buy. Right? He grew up. Buy. There you go. He is Cebuano. But again, before we get carried away, I need you to buckle up, my man. Because we need to go to the origin story of how you, how I said Buano Bay <laughs> went all the way to Spain and you know started the biggest crypto company in Spain. But I need you to buckle up because we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. <laughs> Choppy waters around Algeria, real quick. But again, we're back. Now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but again, man. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I was before we started recording, I was fanboying because I didn't know. And this is me being an idiot once again. Because one of your first companies is one of the most amazing local products I've ever seen done. And it's so simple, but it's so amazing. Loud bastard. So again, shout out to Idea Space for giving me one of my loud bastards. Cause I've I've always gotten FOMO'd out of this 
um, when I see <laughs> this, like, oh my God, it's such an amazing thing. And again, smartphones were new. You shove it in there. Then all of a sudden you have a loudspeaker. Right. But again, just, fo- just, just fanboying. But I want to understand, because again, I know Onozawas, just to give context, because, well, uh, <laughs> because of my first startup. I know your brothers, Ken and Kaz, because I know one thing, and this is not even disputed. Back then, I don't know now, so I'm an old part. You guys threw the best parties during Singulog. And in, 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 in my nightlife app days, whew, I just see the pictures. I haven't even been to one because I was... I went to Sinulog my first time probably around 2014, 2015, right? And it was all too crazy. And you guys threw a big party there too. I was able yep, to attend. Yep. They call it, uh, they used to call our house Casa Loco. Casa was- Loco. There you go. <laughs> but we always man, have people over. Right. The, the Onazawas were, were somewhat, when you hear that last name, you, you know they're legit. But how was it growing up in Cebu? And were you guys an entrepreneurial family? By default. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm such a mix of different nationalities and ethnicities. Obviously, my last name tells everything, right? But I am proudly Cebuano, born and bred. Um, in fact, they used to say I'm Cebuano first, Filipino second. There, <laughs> I don't know what that even means. Right, Lashan is in your blood. There you go. <laughs> I know, and, and this is just being a buy, right? And and yeah, entrepreneurship has been within the family ever since. You know, my father's an entrepreneur. My mother's an entrepreneur. Wow. Her parents were entrepreneurs. So my my both my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. So it was, I guess, kind of natural for us. And until this day. All my siblings, including myself, are entrepreneurs. Awesome. So uh, I guess it's just natural for us to kind of leap into what we love and what we're passionate about. Got it. And reinvent ourselves again and again and again. Yeah. Fail again and again and again or triumph again and again and again. And that's what I guess in our family we feel more comfortable and that's our comfort zone. Oh, <laughs> our man. comfort zone is being away from our comfort zone. Nice. <laughs> And and I don't I have I guess my family to thank for that and and so yeah. I have a question in terms of how you were exposed because again entrepreneurial families by default. I've seen this time and time again where you know somehow some way you're not even aware of it growing up, but you're being taught entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. It's either you being forced to contribute or a little <laughs> bit of a forced labor to help out and whatnot, or it's just part of the daily grind. You see your parents do it. It's part of yeah, the... I guess, I guess, exactly. I think it's a bit of both or a bit yep. of everything. So just a quick recap. Like my my father was is a, is a Japanese person, right? Born and raised in Japan. So he moved mm-hmm. to the Philippines in the 80s. And as an immigrant, like a lot of, you know, let's say Chinese Filipino families, for example, you have to kind of just do your thing, right? right. Um, he had to set up a business and his father... My grandfather had his own business in Japan also, and they both did totally different things. And then on my mother's side, her grandfather came from Spain and also wow. reinvented himself during the colonial period and made his own business, which eventually my grandfather took over. And so I guess it was just that lineage of immigrant family type right. or um, wanting to do something of your own and thankfully having, you know, the support social resources or, or or whatever it is that they had to get it done. And so like me right now in Spain, 
um, having to come here and and naturally for me is starting my own thing. Nice. Although it's not the record straight. Bit to me, I did not found Bit to me. Mm-hmm. It was founded by my two partners, Andre and Leif, in 2015. I came in early on when we were, you know, only less than 30 employees as an advisor, mm-hmm. and eventually um, helped Andre and Leif grow the business to what it is right now, with 300 different employees around Spain right. as co-CEO of the company. A- anything under 50 employees, it's still founder like hustle. Whether you're a first employee and whatnot, that's <laughs> it's too yeah. small. For you to even not not be considered just like a, a founder, uh, whether you're an employee or a late advisor, because there's just so much that you have to to do. But I'll just uh, do, zoom in a little bit. What were the conversations like during at, at home? Because I've been exposed to entrepreneurial Cebuanos before. Um, the Sarmientos, there, a political family oh, yeah, and whatnot, yeah. right? So Drew and the twins and whatnot. I was uh, I was able to visit them in, in their house. In Cebu, one time when I was still working in Groupon, I was like, "Wow, the type of conversations they they have here is not the type of conversations I have back home, <laughs> right?" And yeah. again, it just sparks the type of stuff that you that you're ingrained with uh, as well. And what did you see your parents do on a day to day grind that I guess so, left a mark in your in you till now? So a little bit of. My mom's side, there's a lot of conversation from my mom's side, right? So she's very expressive. She She's yeah. the type of person who would, who, who would pick, take us out from school in the middle of the school year just to travel and, oh, and, wow. visit, and visit like, you know, some random country. And, and then we'd go, we wouldn't do all the touristy stuff. We would go and talk about the local commerce there, the heritage, wow. the culture. And we'd argue and we would, conversations turned into arguments a lot. Because each one had their own opinion, and she wow, really kind of liked that. And so we would talk a lot about just what these different ideas are of people, and how you know how that's. It wasn't. It was less about entrepreneurship and making money, and more about what a cool idea, and how that person was able to build something, or create something, or launch something. You know, it was always about like launching something, as opposed to we never talked about like getting jobs. You know, she let us study whatever the hell we wanted to study. I'm, I I studied anthropology just to give an idea. Like she had no, so we she was always just do whatever you want that's that you're passionate about. And so that kind of naturally made us think, oh, we're passionate about this, and and you know, there's no job for that, so we're just gonna build it. I'm just gonna do it. So my brothers like we want a big party in Sinulog. Let's just let's <laughs> and the party, the party, party they and did, man. <laughs> Holy shit. And, and they did it. And on my uh-huh. father like. My father was is is very Japanese in the sense, so he would. I remember always <laughs> he would wake me and my brother up, saying like, "Yo, wake up! Can't make money in your sleep." Oh you know, wow! Or, <laughs> <laughs> work hard, work hard. You gotta work hard. All about sacrifice, sacrifice. You know, Japanese culture is all about uh, being dutiful. Yes. And so I got that from my dad, just being dutiful and eating and eating shit if you have to. And then on my mom's side, it was more about being open and following your passions and actually executing it. So if you combine both, you have accountability, which means if you talk, if you talk about a lot of things that you want to do and you don't end up doing it, that's that's meaningless. Right. right. You know. So if you think if you're passionate about something and you have discipline to actually make it happen, mm-hmm. then gotta that's where it. I think. That's you got to back it up. Walk the talk, and that's where our entrepreneurship gene came from. I think absolutely. You know, that's amazing. Now, again, I want to deep dive a little bit on the on passion, 
because if that was the the you at a young age you already wanted or you had the go signal to pursue your passion right how did that anthropology and archaeology come through because again one of the very first things you'll see in his linkedin is he was a junior underwater archaeologist in nat geo holy shit <laughs> what was anthropology or archaeology even like and what was the career path you saw when you were trying to do this at an early age so thankfully at an earlier age i knew that i wanted to start my own thing mm. and my my passion at the time was our dream was to become an ambassador or a diplomat. And I, and I applied to study foreign service. And I didn't know as a Japanese citizen also, who, which requires single citizenship, I couldn't be a diplomat for the Philippines for another country, for example. And, but I was so passionate about cultures. Right. And, and yeah, that's because my mom, you know, she, she's, she's big on cultural heritage. And so right. I just wanted to learn about people, love people and, and, and learn different languages Right. And so anthropology was the best way for me, I guess, to have that exposure. And then that led to majoring archaeology. And eventually that took me on a path of where my curiosity just led me to one place to another. And my love, this is a kind of a segue, but I love music. Like so much, so much. Right. Like in high school, like a true born Onozawa from Cebu. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> I'd make I'd make playlists on my own. I'd make playlists for others. You know, I'd set up a group on Facebook with just about sharing music. And so when I did my archaeological digs, I would have a glass and I'd play music because you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And and the whole you know smartphone was a was a was a new thing, right? Um, right. Having what Steve Jobs said, what a thousand songs in your pocket. And yep. so just I didn't have a, you didn't have a speaker, you just needed your phone or your iPod and you just put it in a cup and then it played, it amplified the volume. And that's where the idea of Loud Bastard came. Wow. And, and yeah, when you're expo- when you're just a curious person, I guess you're exposed to different sectors and industries and people that if you were able to put all these pieces together, you, you kind of just find a way to materialize something. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how I operate, I guess. That's amazing. Now, I want to, just again, Loud Bastard, it was such a simple concept, but you know it was well thought of and well designed. So just so yep. for those people who don't know Loud Bastard, I'm feeling like an old fart saying this. It was a hollow bamboo. That's a giant bamboo towards the tip where you can literally shove your phone in, right? Mm-hmm. And it amplifies the thing. There's no electricity needed. You just need to put every something on a loudspeaker. I remember doing several conference calls with my team using that thing. Uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Nice. I was like, just, we couldn't hear sh- shit. But loudspeakers <laughs> back then were shit. Right, you can't even. <laughs> you really need a loud bastard. It was so simple, but the devil was in the details. It was so well designed, and it sounded and it looked premium, right? So, yeah. I, I wanted to know what led you on. What were the skills you had to develop during the archaeology hustle, or even prior to that, that allowed you to create such an amazing and beautifully yet simple product? I think it was more of the curiosity of uh, being in a, uh, my curiosity, I think is the main thing, whether it's archaeology, design, learning e-commerce at the time, which was still new, right? Like I was going to do a podcast for Spot- for Shopify. It was just starting because we launched our e-commerce on Shopify in the, in the very beginnings of Shopify. Wow. All the, all, you know, like it's just a curiosity. It wasn't archaeology per se. It was more about, it was more about 
like being curious about other things and learning on your own and when and and that attitude so whether i'm digging something you know in the middle of nowhere or diving or or helping design team it had to be done well i think it just had to be done well and in order for things to be done well i had to be well informed because i don't know what well is or what well was and so using the the, the internet to just teach and, and and consume all this information so then you have you know what the standard is you know what kind of works you know what people like i think that's been the key here so whether that's loud bastard or bit to me it's being well informed by people and reading a lot and that's right. i think the, that, that's been my key like i consume so much information uh, on a daily basis and that's, that's that's a good trait which sometimes uh, I'm, I'm scared for some of the founders that just take in surface level information or their own biases and they take action right away because yeah. again we are our, the victim of our own instincts sometimes like oh my god i'm getting so excited and then you jump the gun you didn't really dig deep enough and spend time enough for you to really see the whole spectrum, right? And exactly. that's what you've done. And again, it reflects on the type of uh, stuff you've been able to do in Loud Bastard. But before we take our first break, I just want to understand because, again, you made so much hype on this thing. This was a coveted thing and I couldn't find it in stores. I got mine because Ideaspace gave me one. Again, shout out to Miss Diane for sending me one from, from way oh, yeah, back. Yeah, and yeah. I was so happy. That was a Christmas present. Like, shit, I got my own <laughs> bastard finally. But walk me through how you grew this because eventually, again, um, it, 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 was, it, was, it went so big. How did that journey start and probably end? I love how this started as a bit to me interview and then, then segued into Labiaster. Yep. Is... Now bit to me um, comes and the second part. Yeah. We establish your roots first. So I guess three main areas, right? Like first was how do my the question was how do we combine our love for music and doing something really cool that you know is straight out from the Philippines. You know, I was living abroad at the time before mm-hmm. Loud Bassett. I was I was, you know, I was I was working as an archaeologist in in Okinawa in Japan and in Guam. Oh, wow. So I le- I left right after I graduated. I didn't even attend my own graduation. Oh, and my. when I came back to the Philippines, it was for the sole purpose of becoming an entrepreneur. Um nice. so I so I left and said I'd, I'll come back and then I'll I'll get settled and then build something. And mm-hmm. so with my co-founder at the time, we 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 started with Loud Bastard with the sole purpose of combining beauty and design, natural yeah. natural natural material, which Cebu is, you know, as, as you may or may not know, people listening is like the the Milan of Asia, right? In terms there of furniture designing, up Kenneth Vito, we live and breathe like furniture and design and natural yeah. natural resources. And then combine that with our love of music. So how do you share your love of music? And you put one and two together. And I think it just that came out as the essence of what the product represented. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's a piece of bamboo or a piece of wood with speakers inside, which was the Blood Bastard hybrid that we came up after, the idea was how do you share your love for music easy and beautifully and represents like the country. And and that's not necessarily just furniture, but a, a consumer product. So that was one. Yep. And we were able to create Two products that were just solid, and then getting the word out was, you know, speaking with, you know, get, getting out there and and talking about why we did it in the first place. So the story behind it, I think, was captivating also. Absolutely right, and and, and because it was such a beautiful piece, and the, and the graphic design and all the branding was executed well, the messaging, mm-hmm. 
people resonated to that, right? Love for music, something beautiful, something natural. So just an easy to love product that many people picked up on. And because of its novelty, it became a good gift also. Um, and it was yep, given it was. to people like you, mm-hmm. right? People like A-list celebrities in the US, celebrities in the Philippines, obviously, also. And it became some type of like Filipino pride product that then yep. other Philippines gifted to others. Um, right. And so that's kind of the viral effect. And to answer your question earlier, why you can find it on stores is because as a handmade product and reading a lot about the rise of e-commerce and direct-to-consumer models, mm-hmm. I thought that maybe we can't scale production for the product because then it would just be, you know, we'd probably, the quality will go down as you try to scale production yeah. of a handmade product. So I did a numbers, like quick numbers. If we sold, for example, 50,000 units at this price, direct-to-consumer, we would make X amount of money. If we made a hundred thousand, you know, double the quantity, but at a lower price because we had to sell to distributors and distributors had to have right. their margin, sell to the physical stores, and the physical stores had to, you know, have their their margins, we'd actually end up making less revenue selling a hundred thousand units than selling fifty thousand units directly. Wow. And because it was a well-made product, we said, okay, let's let's set up a sh- Shopify because we didn't know how to code. Yep, yep. Just to design and made it easy. And Shopify picked up on that. And Shopify, Shopify picked, uh, uh, messaged me and also wanted to do a podcast on that. So it was, it was mm-hmm. good. And so what we did was we shipped less product to the US and Japan and then sold it directly. And, it, and, yeah. and around this time, 2012, 2016, e-commerce wasn't the, the, the mammoth that they, they are now. Right, these were just like the starting blocks of how, like uh, around this time, Zalora, Lazada, Shopee were Shopee wasn't even there here at that time. Yeah, right? Um, right. So for you to be that early in the game, and again, understand the essence of branding and whatnot, th- these are something that again just shows you how much you are a, a visionary and ahead of its time. And again, you have to be right in a lot of those bets early because if you mess that up. Early on, <laughs> it can go sideways early on. Pretty ugly as well. Yeah. But last question before we take our first break. What did you have to learn as an entrepreneur during this time? Because not everybody's gifted to do it well at their first try. I fucked up at my first try, right? Uh, and there's a lot of humble pie I had to eat, right? Whether yeah. it's because of be- being young or, again, being impulsive. And I, I, I see that now as great building blocks of how I operate and how I became better as a person, but I needed that. What were those things for you that you had to learn along with the mistakes that taught you how to learn those things? This was before Lab Bastard or this is during Lab during, Bastard? During Lab Bastard. Wow. So Lab Bastard for me was like a master's degree, man. I mean, and, and everything. It was my, it was really Your MBA. entrepreneurial. Like before, like, yeah, like, I mean, in, in grade school, I'd sell candy to my classmates. In high school, I'd help my brother sell uh, t-shirts yep. you know so i've always kind of just like i love i love i love i love being uh, an entrepreneur or business person and mm-hmm. loud bastard taught me a few very fundamental things that i that i've that are the reason why i think i am where i am today mm-hmm. and and that's to that it is possible and the best way to learn is to do that's for sure as an archaeologist anthropologist like 
literally learned a lot through iTunes University, through YouTube, <laughs> through Coursera, and trying to be around people and asking their good people who've done it before and, and, and asking the right questions and reading like so much. I can tell you, I don't know how many biographies I've read or seen of, of successful entrepreneurs or successful athletes even of, to see what their mind conditioning was like or is like get me there so that's one just learning by doing and then another one was to understand the fundamentals of business like it, at the end of the day like you can have a good brand you can have a good product and everything but the business model there are different concepts of the business model and it's, it's very important mm-hmm. and everything has to run efficiently and and i think that's one of the things that we were able to do well and then the third one of the, what was also bootstrapping a company like we we didn't raise yes. money for it right and and i didn't even understand like how when was the right time to raise money for it could could it have been bigger as a brand if you know we had decided to raise some type of financial round and then put a price on the equity and mm-hmm. so we didn't do that and as we closed up shop and left that that kind of saw our equity value um i think not hit its potential and so mm-hmm. i didn't pay attention a lot a, a lot of attention on the equity side and 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 investor value because we didn't really have any right yeah it was just and so graduating from kind of like a mom and pop structure that's behind like such a what it was like a such a known brand and product that taught me a lot right now so I, t- I tend to try to look at all all three things and and everything else that follows with it. I'm post post loud bastard, and I think I'm doing a good job in that now. So we're it's a lot of moving parts to a business, and you can't do it alone. And and you have to constantly learn and do and back it up and make mistakes. Make I mean learn from your mistakes immediately, and surround mm-hmm. yourself with really really good people because I think at the end a lot of mistakes are taken. Human capital is so important. And before I used to have more impulsive decisions, like, you know, like I like this person, I, I get along with this person. Yeah. Let's come work, come work with us. That That's, that's not, that's not exactly enough anymore. There, but obviously you need the balance of, I resonate with this person right. and they have the soft and hard skills before it was just, yeah. you know, kind of wild. So, but I, <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, I, like, I made the, the same but, mistakes before. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shoot, we, I, I, I vibe with this person. And then, oh my God, we do not have the same work ethic. Yeah. That's a major deal breaker. And that's just going to create more f- friction and then a lot of the, you know, conflicts down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I guess that that's the thing. Like, so much mistakes, man. Until now, until now, there's so much mistakes that, that one can do and and then i guess realizing that you can never figure it out there's there's no there's no kind yep. of i read trial and error all the time yeah have you seen jiro jiro loves sushi on netflix no the, the no. sushi chef jiro loves sushi okay i'll check that oh, out dreams right of after sushi. sorry jiro dreams of sushi so he's really cool he has okay. this thing says like he dreams about sushi of making the perfect sushi right and he mm-hmm. said basically there's no such thing as a perfect sushi if you try to be a perfectionist, that means you're putting like a ceiling on your growth. Right. And I love that. I love that. So accepting the fact that life isn't fair. So play with the hands you're dealt with and knowing that you have to keep working on improving every single day, right? Continuous improvement, but knowing there's no, there's no ceiling to that. Then you're like, that's great. You know, you're just liberated from that pressure. 
Absolutely. And you just throw your best and then stack it up all the time. All right. Yeah. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now discuss how he was able to then go from Loud Bastard and the next hustles after that, all the way to what we did this episode for, which is bit to me. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at PH, the country's biggest SaaS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Kohonazawa again, who told us the amazing hustle of such a... Now it's more valuable. I got to find my loud bastard wherever it is. I think it's it's in... <laughs> it's, it's in well, because we moved houses, and I, I still remember having that teal one. <laughs> it's in my room for a long time. Like, I hope I can still find it, but I'm pretty sure it's here in this house. I just don't know where it is. But, man, that is an amazing backstory. But now I want to understand, from Cebu, how did you go all the way to Spain, and how did that lead you, after everything that you've learned in, in Loud Bastard, into being in crypto? Because there... Crypto 2013, 2014, 2015, all the talk was Bitcoin, ETH. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Right? Um, blockchain, there is a little bit of talk about it, but it's not, it's it's people, half of the, 90% of the people that said blockchain didn't know shit about what they're talking about. Right? <laughs> how did you get into the rabbit hole early in crypto and how did you get to Spain? I want to understand how that how that happened. So one thing led to another, again, like what we were saying earlier, right? When you let your curiosity kind of take you there. Loud Bastard opened up my world into tech, e-commerce. Yeah, E-commerce was just incredible. And not just as a direct consumer model, but the apps and mini apps you can build on top of your e-commerce to make it better. Automation, yep. automation of newsletters, automation of, or, or back dashboard, you know, backend analytics of your customer journey. 
um, net promoter scores of the friend. Like it's just like wow, you know, like heat maps of of your store. I thought it was so cool, and so I researched more about those Shopify apps um, in their marketplace and discovered that there's a new business model here, which is SaaS subscription uh, yeah. offer as a service, and. And kind of that was the rabbit hole that got me into just I said you know I'm 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 done with hardware or, or this for now and I'm just gonna go full on full on software recurring revenue mm-hmm. uh, MRR MRR ARR right Cust- uh, customer success upselling cross selling these were so cool highly scalable product that it, you know the only thing you're paying more once you have product market fit the only thing you need is to buy more server space. But the product exactly. is made, so it's the same thing. You one person uses it, or, or a million people uses it. Apart from servers that you need to you know, right. grow. Um, so that that led me into um, wanting to know more about it. And at the time when we part of Labasa, we had opened a U.S. office, and I spent a lot of time in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And wow, I realized that it wasn't my time to stay. In the Philippines, La La Land. Yeah. Ah, all right. In the Philippines, all right. Yeah. So I decided to st- st- stay where the action is. Um, and fortunately, at the time, you know, startup seed in the Philippines was none. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> there was some very nascent, but man, there's just probably say I'd say ninety percent clueless founders like we are, right? And then we'll we'll celebrate a fifty thousand dollar investment. That was yeah. already a big win for the ecosystem. Yeah, unfortunately, it was just it was just starting, you know. So there wasn't there wasn't like high risk invest investors coming in yet, or angels. Angels normally would come from successful founders, right? That had exits, and then they would invest back into the ecosystem. So it was still very yeah. nascent. And so being in the US mm-hmm. opened my mind and my world. But I did after a few like years going back and forth. I wanted to really settle down elsewhere and. Europe was a place where I really wanted to be in. It was wow. in the. It was you know in Europe. Uh, it wasn't as advanced as the U.S., but I felt like it was a one a, a, a great opportunity for me to start over in a country where I can get to know you know my 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 my, my grandfather and my mom's side of the family more. Um, right. Establish more roots there and get just you know just kind of see what I want to do and and. And get to know that side of my family more, but at the same time, be in a continent where there was a startup scene. It was just starting. Um, there was already investments. There was, you know, there, there wasn't a unicorn in Spain yet, but there were so much. There was oh. potential. Um, there were already high valuations, and and you know, there were conferences happening that were really cool. And so I was like, okay, let's let's move to Spain and see what happens. And and I did. So I went, I went to Spain in twenty end of 2016, 2017. And I've I've been there, I've been here since. <laughs> right. At, at that point, again, just just stupid the very first thing. How good was your Spanish in, in, in oh, doing man, this? Terrible. Terrible. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it starts with that. How can you even do everything else? How how did you again? You're naturally curious about culture. So obviously you're gonna put in the time and the work to get there, get better, but how was that first stumbling block? Because <laughs> everything else just follows after that. You know, right? I, I used it. Um, I used my my as a foreigner. It, it's, a, it's kind of your advantage. Like I don't see things as 
I don't see things as like a handicap. Like, yeah, I'm I'm in Spain. I'm you know Japanese Filipino, but I speak English. I don't feel I don't see how that's a bad thing. So I come in, I message, I Google startups in Madrid, literally, and then um, ended up the LinkedIn look looking at the LinkedIn of Nacho Mateo. If you if you're listening to this, is yep. first person. Now he's the you know president of the largest Spanish startup conference in southern europe south summit wow you know i did i went to his office spoke to him in english and then i said look i come this is my background and i don't speak spanish but i want to i want to get to know the scene here and he he and i just moved to madrid and so he gave me a list go to google for startups like oh wow there's a google for startups and right right number right. one number two there's a google for startups here <laughs> so oh, I, went, I, went, I went i went there got to know other founders and then went to this thing called you know other other accelerators and incubators and it was just such a vibrant scene that i fell in love with mm-hmm. and and i didn't need spanish everybody spoke wow. every, all the kind of founders appreciated um you know me as a like a foreign foreigner entrepreneur coming in being curious about wanting to know the scene and and wanting to start something here uh eventually learned spanish obviously fell in love so that helped with a spanish lady so that although that helped nice. a lot. <laughs> and you know one thing amazing another one thing led to another and, and excelente there yeah, you go yeah <laughs> so that was a good investment in hindsight because a lot of these founders and friends that i've met before are now extremely successful founders with with on the second or third uh, company and one of those founders that i met introduced me to bitcoin and eth and that's when the crypto journey started now again um ecosystems are built by founders again it's it's uh, the best startup ecosystems are built are built by founders before we talk about bit to me can you just describe a bit how the founder quality was like when you got to spain or madrid at least right um because i look at the philippines now and again the the, the types of founders that existed so i've been here since 2012 mm-hmm. i've seen the nascency or it's like oh my god this is you know, nobody, it was just us. It was just first landing on the moon. We don't even know what's going on, right? Yeah. We were, we were trying, it, it was a lot of fish out of water experience. But now you see a lot of experienced founders trying to give it back, yeah. not just through mentorship, but they also re- literally invest. Yeah. They pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But that took seven, eight, 10 years yeah. to happen. When you came there, what was the founder scene like? And what was, what was the buzz in the air? Uh, and, and again, is that crypto? What was it like? In Spain, or particularly in Madrid, um, well, when I moved here and got, got involved, it was such an awesome, awesome ecosystem. Very small, very tight-knit. but Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody and very high, high ambition founders. And it was so interesting to learn about this whole new world, which is the Hispanic world, you know? Like when you launch in Spain, I would think you would expand into France and then Italy and then Germany and to Europe. But no, no, they, I mean, yes, of course, they also, but predominantly they would go straight to Miami as their back door into Latin America oh, and launch with wow. La- launch in LATAM, which makes total sense, right? Like the, the whole Spanish speaking world is so massive. Yep. And and so, that's a whole continent in itself, yeah, except Brazil. It's an right? entire like demo, business demographic. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting to learn that. Which and so, um, 
investments, VCs, you know, they were still not as mature as compared to the US, but there were mm -hmm. successful Spanish born co-founders or Spanish born executives in the US that came back and invested back. So that was very helpful. And some founders, you know, eventually just copy pasted what worked in the US, like Global, who became a unicorn. Cabify is the is the Uber of the Spanish world, also a unicorn. You know, they just they just did this thing and and it was just fascinating to watch from like the sidelines, you know. And a lot of the right. friends of mine that I've met when in that first year, like they've sold their businesses last year, this year, two years ago. And now they're mm -hmm. they're doing they're doing another one or they they're setting up their family office or being or or a farm. Wow. It's so cool to see and it's and so cool to live. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm still here. Like I got it was just the right that intuition of like I want to be in Europe because it's just about to pop, you know? It was just about to the rocket Absolutely. was just about to launch. Right. Whereas, and you want to be there when it when it does take off. Yeah. Whereas the US was already very, very mature. Um, yep. I don't know what it would be like if I had stayed, but thankfully I Southeast Asia and the Philippines were just still build, building the spaceship, but there's already at least a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. Southeast Asia is, is insane now. Like it's so nice to see. I know some founders in the crypto space in the Philippines who have, you know, YGG's founder, Gabby Dizar. Yep, Gabby. Mm -hmm. Like he is amazing. You know, what he's able to to have done without even leaving the Philippines, that that that's that's very admirable. So um shout out to Gabby. Yeah. But and the persistent too. Yeah. Dude, he had a rough stretch before YGG. And again, if you if you're curious about how Gabby was able to do that, we've had him couple years ago i think uh mid 2021 right so check it out the hustle behind ydg i knew gabby as a game developer yeah that's what what his essence is that's what's his love and he had to go go through rough stretches until he got the one yeah and look at him now ygg but I, i'll just circle back with you cole i want to understand now how did crypto become the one that you had to choose because okay. being exposed to all these founders you literally can cherry pick. There's a lot of problems that, that were yeah. going to be solved, but what drew you into crypto and how did you then double down and how did that turn into Bitumi? Okay, so when I when I got in, when Bitumi asked me to be to to you know get an advisory role, it was it wasn't even it was a bear market. It was kind of the last stretch of the crypto winter, the the, the previous one, not this one right now. Okay, <laughs> which one? Yeah, and. Uh, All right. Well, the one thing I fell in love with crypto is not is not necessarily cryptocurrency. It was the because I've seen you know cryptocurrency use cases like remittance for the Philippines and all these things right that are just much better. But I love the technology, like the Web three. I think was the best rebranding <laughs> um, exercise for crypto. People calling it now Web three. I think that's amazing, and it, it's true though. Like the new internet, and just that you can be a part of building the future with people that are so passionate about web three, this new internet where it's an ownership economy. Right. right. So when you, when I was introduced to ETH and Ethereum, you kind of study it a little bit more and you realize like, Oh my God, like a one use case, for example, that was shown back in 2016 was using the blockchain. You can, you can, you can track provenance of a product, right? Where does that yep. fish come from? Who, who caught it? What day, Ooh. where, you know, and if you use the blockchain in, in the supply chain, you're able to 
you're able to record that on the on paper the trial everywhere. Yeah. And so you can really see, and that's just one application. And that for me blew my mind. Right. And then there was the whole, like the whole concept about ownership, right? Yep. It's yours. Like Bitcoin is yep. yours. And if you use that same technology on other assets or tokenized mm-hmm. versions of physical assets, that's like yours. Like NFTs and everything. Completely yours, right? And that for me was so exciting combined with the community that I've gotten to, to meet in the Web3 space. People like Gabby, people, you know, like Luis Quende, who founded Aragon, who's also here from Spain, from Madrid. You know, he was building DAOs before DAO was even a thing. 2016, DAO, mm-hmm. like, what, what was that, right? So th- that was such an exciting thing for me because I really liked the people, the ones who were really building. They weren't launching right. tokens, they were building things and, and and trying to push adoption. So when I met the founders of Bit2Me, they, Andre told me one, one day, he said, I want my children to open up a wallet, not a bank account. Okay, now in that, that that's the case. So a wallet, right? How how do you then build this? Because again, one of the very first challenges around early on in the game are builders. They're very scarce. It's hard to get people that knew how to code this thing. You're gonna have to build them long long term and whatnot. But how did you start building the product to how it was if you came in at around 30 people, right? That that's still not enough to to get it where it's supposed to be. How did that journey begin? As a founder and and a product centric person visionary and a genius you know so him having a product roadmap that is basically creating a complete suite of crypto adoption products that both institutions and retail people like you and me would use yes. it it now it's not just a wallet it is the whole thing now right it's it's being able to have the easiest way to buy and sell and swap crypto it's the easiest way to launch or participate in a token launch. It's the easiest way to stake your crypto that are proof of stake to get yield. Yep. The easiest way also when we appify the whole thing, it's the easiest way for neo banks and banks to to then safely offer crypto through our infrastructure. And on top of all of that, right. having a Spanish first academy that's free and paid for everybody to learn about this new technology and and that and then you have andre who is the co-founder equally just as brilliant and, and and genius who was able to really work with leif and 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 capture like their right and close their right partnerships hire the right people uh making sure everything was working smoothly on the business front, compliance front. We've always been doing things compliant. We've always been compliant um, in, in, in this and then, you know, to the detriment of user growth. Our KYC, you know, know your customer, anti-money laundering processes are very, very, very strict. In those Within those 30 people, almost half were are, are legal and compliance from banks. Right? Wow. At the time. So... That's why we were the first crypto company to be registered by the Bank of Spain for crypto car- brokerage and custody. Amazing. We were the, right. you know, the the government of Spain uses us to off-ramp embargoed Bitcoin. You know, banks are already integrating our infrastructure so that when the bull run comes back, you know, they're well positioned to be able to uh, offer crypto brokerage while we will be their custodians. Um, 
That's amazing. And and we were just invested by Telefonica, probably virtually the largest largest telco in the world. What? They own movie stars. That's amazing. Yeah, and they'll be we will be um distributing our web3 MBA to all of their employees and partners. We will be connecting our API to their neo banks in Brazil. VivoPay has over 50 million users. Oh movie star alone has more than 200 million users all over the world plus O2. Right. They have a web3 strategy and it's going it's 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 powered by us now. So this is how we're going to dominate the Spanish-speaking market through probably one of the largest Spanish, you know, company on the planet. So we're very excited for what what what's to come. And given the Got winter it. right now, it's just crypto winter in terms of you know it's 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 like a big cleanup. And yep. those people that have been able to do things correctly will stay, and we're happy to be one of those people. So it, you know, Telefonica could have invested in any other player. Right or the bank right. could have used any other player as well, but I think it's a further validation that we're doing things right because they invest in us and they use us, and the banks are using us. Uh, we're domiciled yeah. here in Spain and not some random, some Caribbean or yeah. what, Mediterranean <laughs> island. Yes, right. So that's it's so adoption needs you know maybe crypt, super crypto natives won't like how centralized we are, but I may but I from do. You know, after recent events, I think it's more appreciated now. Absolutely. You want to make sure that there is really legs into whatever your 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 crypto investments. Yeah, and look at look at Coins PH. Way way yep. the new CEO is a good friend. Yeah. You know, he's, he's doing things really, really, really well. Um, hopefully, we can there's this collaboration that will come up with Team Coins and Bitumi, so we can bridge the Filipino Spanish market. Absolutely. Just like the galleon trade of old. There you <laughs> exactly, go. Exactly. Right. Yeah, the galleon trade of old. <laughs> All right. But I want to understand from an operation standpoint, you come in at 30 employees. How did your hustle evolve in a day to day? And what are the things you had to really, you know, put forth to make sure that, again, Bit to Me gets where it is today? Because, again, that everything that you just said, told us um, does not happen overnight. There's it a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. So, right, and a lot of tapas and churros in between. <laughs> um, but how how did that evolve from your point of view in terms of being again an advisor all the way to becoming a co CEO? So, a lot of hard work and some luck, for sure. Okay. But the luck, hard work, made us well positioned to take advantage of luck. So, okay, from thirty people, we've worked so hard. To get there, no investments, all boots, all bootstrapped. And wow, we said, okay. I came in and they said, let's let's do an ex- let's do a growth strategy and kind of like a, an expansion strategy and based on the product roadmap. And so it was a lot of strategizing, and then deciding whether or not it was worth doing a front, uh, a round, an investment round where we would sell some equities to some strategic investors. We spoke to a few funds here in Spain. They didn't. They want. They didn't want anything to do with crypto. They didn't. Another. You know, even the the bank venture guys. They were just like, no, crypto, no web three, nothing. Don't care. So I'm like, all right. Well, spoke to some guys, my contacts in the U.S. They seem really interested, more open to it. But then the bull run started, and mm. <laughs> things got really exciting. So our brokerage business right. became really. 
we started, you know, seeing an increase of users, our brokerage users, our brokerage transaction volume, you know, exponentially grew as as it does in, in, in a bull run. And so we said, okay, we have about what 90,000 users, registered users now. Wow. Bull run. Let's do let's design a utility token around our suite of products that we are now building. Wherein this utility token will grant you certain discounts, priorities, um, and other perks that we, we will be designing as we build the product line, right? Now everything's built. We have a MasterCard, we have Earn, we have you know all these really cool products that the token is in the middle of. But at the time, the vision was, let's put the token as a nexo to give you the best products that we are going to build. And when we started like writing the white paper and and and, and open a Telegram account, share go. this with our with our users, our users were very happy about it and they were very excited about it. So said, you know what, let's just launch, let's just do an ICO. And so all these guys that we were talking to, these investors who are crypto investors, you know, we were able to raise three million euros pretty quickly in a, in a private sale. And then going and then doing a public sale on our utility token on our own platform. So we had to build our own launchpad so that only oh our users would buy it. And we and so they would go through all of the KYC AML, they will all be clean money. They'd go through all of the identification processes, right? So that it was legit and clean. And the regulators here in Spain, we spoke to them. They had no idea what we were talking about. We, but you know, we explained to them everything <laughs> and how this is a utility right. token. And so they said, "Oh, this is not a security." So we don't know what a utility is, but that's not definitely not a security. So okay, we got audit. We you know we got we hired some third party audit auditors, and and had a roadmap, had a dream, and eventually in a hundred seconds, one hundred seconds, filled up the token sale over subscription. And and raise seventeen point five million euros. That is crazy! Oh my <laughs> goodness! Woo! That's the thing. That's that's amazing. And again, this is how you how ICOs were supposed to be done. But again, you said luck came into play because I also knew several people. Again, Gabby is one of them. I think during this this stretch run, who's trying to do. ICOs, but wasn't as fortunate as you guys did. What are the things that you think you got, uh, you did right at, at the right timing, or you were lucky with? Because yeah. a lot of them also weren't as fortunate. For us, um, being a centralized and regulated company, a domiciled here in Spain with a track record that's revenue generating, we were profitable. That's really nice. Thing. Like you're gonna try. It, we weren't necessarily a, a super young startup that had to prove. That we can put, we can, we can a moonshot or whatever. Yeah, we had, we, we, we've already demonstrated what we can do, right? We were a profitable company, and this utility token was our way of bringing in the community uh, into using our products more. And so that's one, I think it, it, it gave you the, this, the security. We had also brought in advisors into the company that are very top notch. So one of them is Zishan Feroz, who's the ex CEO of Coinbase UK and Coinbase Europe. Ooh, the person wow. who opened Coinbase in Europe and the UK for Coinbase. So he still sits as an right. advisor for us. Raul, who is also Kraken, head of Kraken in Iberia, ex head of Kraken in Iberia. We had Baldomero Falcon, which is the ex global president of MasterCard and ex oh Santander. 
and then our team. And so when you looked at who we are and, and we did live videos on YouTube and showing who we are and why we believe in this company, that helped a lot. Accompanied by a bull market where crypto sentiment was quite high, we went from 90,000 users to seven to 600,000 users. And oh raised, my goodness. And raised to 20 million over the summer. So that is fucking crazy. So yeah, it was, it wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of hard work, obviously. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it seems like we raised everything in a hundred seconds, but no, I mean, behind those hundred seconds, a oh. hundred thousand hours of it's a lot of prep work. number it is. Yeah. Of just like, uh, sleepless nights and, 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 and all of that. So eventually that was good. So we realized that we built our own launchpad. So now we can offer our launchpad to other companies. So for example, the largest Neo bank in Spain launched their own utility token this year, earlier this year, raised 8 million on our launchpad. So that's a new that's business amazing. unit for us. You know, we, we, our partnership with MasterCard is growing. So we, now we have a MasterCard. You can pay with your virtual card on your phone or the physical card, straight crypto. You don't have to swap it into euros. You just, whatever crypto you have, you pay and then we'll swap it directly as you pay. And the merchant receives euros directly and even wow. get cashbacks and with our cashbacks through our yep. token. We have a web three MBA now, right? So a lot of these courses that about blockchain and web three that I, that, you know, the reason why I got into it and the reason why the founders got into it is all through education, right? We didn't learn this in school. Yep. And so Formal universities right now, like Universidad Europea, Universidad de Murcia, like these public universities, they don't have this curriculum. So, but now, 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 soon you're gonna be able to do our Web three MBA online course, which is like Netflix style. You watch it when you do it, when you when you can. You will get credits from universities for doing this, and so we're trying to build the pie, and so more people get into this industry, and we're we're innovate, we're constantly innovating. One of the things that my conversation with Gabby when I saw him a few months ago in Barcelona was this soulbound token. So we talked about move, giving back, right? I think we touched on this before, you know, before the interview. And what I liked about a conversation with Gabby, which we're implementing now, is is the technology called soulbound tokens (SBTs). These are basically like NFTs, but they cannot you cannot transfer ownership. It's yours. And so that is a technology that can be used for your digital identity who you are right. what is it what is what if, so if we use that technology applied into our academy we can now make something called a web3 cv resume so as you go through our courses that are both free and paid we will issue you soulbound tokens as a way to certify that you indeed learned this you know block of this topic whether that's about the metaverse bitcoin or token tokenomics or anything like that and what that allows everybody in the spanish-speaking world for now is that all your online learning will actually reflect as your digital identity and and curriculum cv so you can then get jobs in the industry yep. and more talented people wow. in the industry more innovation more adoption and we're all happy right so can you imagine what I was telling you about when we started Law Bastard, like I was learning all this stuff online. So I have, right. I have those online courses to think as to why I have this foundation of, of, of knowledge, right? But I never got like, I can't put that in a CV. Who's going to believe Correct. me that I know more about SAS than the guy next to me because I read more and I studied <laughs> more, right? Correct. Because um, yep. I didn't go to university to study SAS. But so it all came down to just implementation. But now with Web3 CV and our Web3 courses and our academy that's free also, 
and the technology behind behind it that will show you that you indeed learned all of this. Other Web3 companies or crypto companies will look at that and be like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, you you definitely, that's definitely you. That Your wallet says that you've done all of these courses in Bit2Me, so you know yeah. what you're saying. We, we believe you. So, okay, you can get this job. We have a job opening for this, this, and that. And it doesn't have to be Web3 companies. It could be traditional companies with a Web3 strategy, just like Telefonica. That's amazing. All right, last question before we take our last break. I mean, yes, did a, an amazing run uh, through the stretch, but not everybody gets it perfect. You, you mentioned it before. Um, there are a lot of mistakes. Were there near-death experiences or were there heavy punches you had to take? And with those, what were the biggest learnings you got? Yeah. Oh, man. Near-death for the company, there's, there's, been, there's been a few. Not as much, thankfully. I think it was, you know, how this year was just all about growth. We hired a lot of people, a lot. Mm-hmm. And we risked the company a little bit because we were profitable and we risked, okay. we risked the company a little bit by spending more and going on growth mode, you know, typical company, yep. typical like growth mode that you see in, in tech startups where you're just burning cash. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, you know, well, after the whole Luna crash and FTX saga where it's happening now, Telefonica, the investment from them came later than expected. And it was Oof. a tad bit late. Jeez. And so we had to make an executive decision to act now and not risk it further. So, you know, that was that was a hard one for us because we had to really yeah. structure the company. And, and what we've learned from that was, thank God we have that bootstrap mentality or DNA. Yeah, we've been there before too. Yeah. So we're we're fine. We're good. We're healthy now. But these are hard decisions sometimes, right? Like, Right. Um and 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 yeah, thankfully we don't we didn't have a lot of near death experiences, but we make mistakes, man. Like there's there's so many mistakes. You yeah. know, we hire the wrong people or we we ourselves in management have probably should have reviewed better certain budgets for marketing or stuff like that. But thankfully, thankfully we have such a good compliance team that we've always done things right for our users. Right. At the end of the day, those are the most important because once they lose trust in you. They all leave. And yep. for now, that's not happening. So we're doing something right. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Now let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's now just pay it forward and talk about Web3 and the, re- the immediate future that it's going to be. Because again, this is not going to stop. This is going to be the next shift that everybody will be hopping on. But I want to know more from Co's point of view. Well, let's talk about that more after a break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. 
So visit sprout.eh payroll-turner-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. Hey, hustlers, before we start this episode, I want to share with you this amazing tool that we started using in Podcast Network Asia and Pod Machine lately. And it's called Narrator.ai. Now, prior to using Narrator, one of our biggest problems in our startup was centralizing the tons of data that we have from all our podcasts and how users were using our product. 
We had so much data. The problem was we didn't have the right tool to interpret and make decisions fast out of them. Now, this meant we did a lot of risky guessing, which thankfully we got right, but we were a bad move away from screwing it all up. Now, instead of hiring a whole data team or building this whole thing from the ground up, we were lucky to find Narrator. Because as a startup, you need a tool that allows you to make the necessary pivots needed to scale up with your data that you can use to make great decisions fast. And Narrator is the fastest, easiest, and the most comprehensive way to get value out of your data warehouse. No more need for hundreds of rigid data models that take forever to update and can only handle a limited number of use cases. Using Narrator's activity schema, explore and analyze any data in your warehouse without having to write SQL. And I swear, if you're a startup that's scaling or a company that's undergoing digital transformation, this will blow you away. So all you have to do is go to narrator.ai and book a demo. Trust us, this is awesome. We're back to the break. We are still with Go on Then told us the amazing hustle they did with Bit to Me. And again, it's very, very proud as a fair, uh, fellow Bisaya. I'm very proud of you, my man. Um, uh, my roots come from Samar, so oh. yeah, so there. So I'm just in the east side, you're in the central side. Uh, east side. <laughs> my Lola, my Lola's actually from Taklob. Oh, nice. All right, so it's what I okay. Oh, right. uh, so that's what it is. All right. So um, what, one of the things that I, I really want to understand, because Web3 and Metaverse just popped out of nowhere, but I've seen the transition. You said uh, crypto was a was an initial iteration and blockchain. There are, again, winters that happen. There are massive horror stories like what happened over the past couple of weeks and months. But there are you guys who... Are legit and continue to you know build the real foundation where people can you know launch off of that weather these storms. But the here's my big million dollar question, and th- this this is me coming in because I haven't really jumped full on into Web three. I'm just hovering, I'm looking from afar. But there's so much hype, and what with hype sometimes the scary part is. You can't distinguish, especially if you're a newcomer, you can't distinguish the charlatans from the real hustlers. Can you just walk us through? How do you know the real builders and the ones that are out here, not just to jump in the hype, but are actually building something worthwhile? That's a really tough question now, considering of what happened with FTX, where SBF basically... (laughs) Right, the man pulled... I mean... Well, a few months ago, you would be like, this guy's the darling of the industry. So he fooled us all, right? So yep. it's kind of, it's very difficult to to figure that out because I think I think as a business, like FTX as an exchange is very necessary. Like right? their role that they're played is similar to ours, right? We are your onboard, your on-ramp into this space. Yep. A safe and, and regulated on-ramp. But then you have lack of governance and management basically fraud fraudulent actions from this man that's full of all so it's really difficult i think to sift through that that dirt but i guess i'm i'm, I'm going to try to answer this as best as i can but not you know 
Like with a grain of salt, yeah, I guess, like because we, we, we don't know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like what we say in the industry, do your own research, right? But right. the things, my takeaway from this is you have, for one part, you have the, the business, right? The business itself. And, and when you look at a business in whether that's a protocol with its own token or, or an exchange like FTX or Bitumi, you want to make sure that, you know, the, you know who the founders are. You want to make sure that business 101, right? That the, that the business is actually creating value and reaping like revenues from the value that they create, number one. So when you have a token or a company where their business model is just the token, I'd be yeah, I'd be I'd be wary of that. And you want to see and make sure that you understand exactly what they're trying to build or what they've built and where where they play into that, right? Into the whole scene. And so do they have like again, like if at the end of the day, whether it's web three or web two or web or whatever, fundamental fundamentals. Supply. Are you creating value and are you getting paid for that? I think that's number one. And then number two is the, now that we've learned from what happened with FTX is governance, right? Like now we know that certain top tier funds backing certain companies does not necessarily mean it could be run to the ground or not, right? Sequoia backed FTX and all these big guys. And now we see that there was a lack of governance from these funds who probably weren't able to take a board seat and help and get a better view on what was really happening behind the scenes. So when you have, when you try to like, as an investor or as a comp, if you're investing into a company like this, then you want to know really like, how is it governed and who is behind them? And just to make sure that, you know, you can't, you don't be, you can, you can try as best as you can to separate the the noise and the real builders. And obviously if these builders are, have built things before and have really showed that they can give this value. So yep. those, are, those are the main two things. Like it's really hard these days, right? You have all, all these named funds from the US that that you would think like, okay, there's social proof to this project. So I'm not going to look further. But uh, we don't know what happened before. DBTH, yeah. don't buy the hype. Right. Do your own research also. Right. Yes. Again, track record tells everything. Just this, this goes to show that again, just like Kit, like 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 Ko, you were able to then do loud bastard pretty well. So uh, this is something that's pretty transparent and well out there. But next question I wanted to ask: with with all the hype that's in Web three now, and everyone that really wants to build on this ecosystem, because again, there's already massive traction and massive foundation that that can can be built. It's not we're not starting from zero to one mm-hmm. anymore. Right. What what excites you the most, especially in the realm of what you guys are doing in Bit to Me, right? What what's what's coming up? So, next? so you mentioned. I think there's, there's two two part question there. So what excites me the most first is the technology in itself, right? The different applications and real world use cases. So what will be, excite me the most is that when an, when the end consumer is able to really interact with a product that's become exponentially better. And yep. under the hood is all Web3 stuff or a mix of Web3 and Web2 wow. stuff. Right? You don't even know like that that's what's happening. That's what excites me the most because it's like it's like my good friend Richard made a good analysis on the Steam engine. Back in the day, you had a the inventor of the Steam engine, right? And he didn't that person had didn't necessarily reap all of the value 
you know, from or, or generate as much revenue, for example, for for selling steam engines. But you know who made a lot of money and created a lot of value for with that steam engine? There were the the railway companies that put the steam engine on a train or steam engine on a boat and yep. created this whole, you know, logistical web of being able to fast, you know, transfer goods from one place to another much faster and much more efficient. And those are like, this is yep. a good example of Web3 being that steam engine and finding these entrepreneurs, investing in those entrepreneurs and supporting them also as a user. Those are the ones that are building really, really, really good products with this new technology that that allows them to create these new products. You know, because before when you're limited with the technology, you can't you can only create a certain type of product, right? And now that we have this whole Web3 ownership, decentralization, tokenization type of technology, how can an entrepreneur put all those pieces together to create the best, best product for the end user that's better than the one that they were previously using? So I'm so excited about that because it can be applied into so many industries. You know, telco, fintech, it's not just about buying Bitcoin and selling Bitcoin. It's art, right? Everything. And what excites me the most of it to me in that space is because we are the on-ramp and off-ramp for all this digital economy. Right. If you talk about crypto now, it's less about cryptocurrency. It's more about digital assets, whether that's a tokenized real estate yeah. or NFTs or SBTs or, or ETH and Bitcoin. We are your kind of digital asset company that allows the user to go from the real world to the digital world that's regulated and safe and secure, right? And whether we're doing that directly through our Bit2Me suite of products or we're doing that through our APIs that are powering the different other the other companies that are building on top of our API infrastructure, I'm so excited about that yep. role of just enabling, enabling this. Yeah. And our education piece, obviously, so that we can create more people, create more like, you know, help. hopefully some of our educational stuff will inspire people to work in, in a company that's in Web3 and eventually become entrepreneurs. Or our more advanced courses like the MBA would would then teach an entrepreneur in the SaaS space to venture into Web3 and build a product. Right. right? So I'm super excited so you about it. Keep building. Yeah. And get that steam engine everywhere now. Get that steam Whatever engine everywhere. And then educate everybody about the steam engine so that they can build their own railway systems. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Last question. So Again, you've been talking about paying it forward, whether here or anywhere else in the world. But you've also been an investor, right? And now you're you're in the position to really pay it forward. When you decide to invest in a company, what do you look for in in terms of the fundamentals before uh, again before you write a check? I guess in, it depends which stage. So if it's an early stage, the reality is like you can really believe in the vision and really believe on. On everything on their promises but if it's an early stage company that hasn't demonstrated any traction you're really betting on the horse right um or the jockey but you're betting on the on the founders so mm -hmm. that's the first thing i guess like because the, the company will have you know i learned this from from experience the company will have to pivot many times until you get product product market fit absolutely and a real uh, you know a, a credible founder is who you would want to back when they're back, you know, when the, they're back against the wall and they can execute. So, for me at least, that's 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 been my way. If it's more of like a growth stage startup, then obviously it's more about metrics, right? You know, yep. how much of what money's for, what have you demonstrated, how you used your funds before, and how are you going to use these funds now, and what the exit strategy is. 
So pretty like basic financial transaction type of investment. And then the early stage is really the more exciting part. Risky though, but yeah. Yep. All <laughs> right. Again, thank you so much. That was such an amazing season finale. And I'm glad it's you. We're going to cap off our year. And again, Ko, if people want to check out Bitumi or again, uh, what and see what you guys are going to be building next, or if they want to reach out and work with you somehow, get your mentorship and whatnot, where do they go and how do they do that? Yeah, bitumi.com uh, is a good place. On our te- we have Telegram also. We have an English channel as well. So it's just bitumi, B-I-T-2-M-E. And then I'm on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Koanazawa. That's it. And then, um, yeah. I'm I'm also learning. So I like the more people that are interested in this topic, uh, we learn from each other. That's the nice thing about this industry that I was telling you about. Like a lot of people, there are obviously bad eggs as well, but you know, this it's such an open community. And yeah, wag me, right? We'll all, wag we're all gonna make me in did <laughs> LFG. Let's go. And again, <laughs> thank you so much, Ko. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any type of podcast app you're listening to. And again, if we did say some jargon, which I think we did, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of our community, it's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. Again, Ko, thank you very much. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Salamat right. kayo. There you go. And I'll see you guys in the next <laughs> season. Peace.